For the next three weeks, we're going to spend uh, a little bit of time digging into this idea that God is good. Now, for a lot of t uh, for a lot of people that are around us, and maybe even some of you may fall into this, you are looking at what's going on in the world around you. Maybe you're looking at what's going on in your own life and some of the struggles that you have encountered or are encountering. And maybe your question is more, is God good? Because you're not quite there with God is good. And, and that's okay because that's a natural part of a spiritual journey to where we really wrestle with the goodness of God, because when we see a lot of things in the world around us that aren't good, it is very easy to question uh, if God is good. And so I want us to spend a little bit of time digging into that over uh, the next three weeks. And today, I, I want to start with, like, how do we really understand, from a biblical standpoint, what is good? Because good is a word we use a lot, and we use it in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different contexts, and somebody's good is another person's mediocre, one person's good is another person's excellent, you know, so how we use that word really, really matters, and our understanding of that word matters, like, you know, for a lot of us, you know, when we have, when we have this happen in a conversation, how was your day? Good. What does that mean? How was, how was your meal? Good. How was church today? Good. Or if somebody comes up to you and says, well, how are you? What do you say? Good. You know, that's most of the time what we say. And, and a lot of times we'll use the word good in response to those questions for one of two reasons. One, we are not good, but I'm not going into it. Right? That's just kind of a safe way of just kind of saying, good, <laughs> move on, please. <laughs> but then another time, you know, depending on other parts of the way we use good, we don't want to say more than good because if somebody did something that was like good, you know, excellent or really good, we don't want it to feed their ego, right? We don't want to stroke their ego, so we just say good. You know, good is used in a lot of different ways. And how we understand that word really uh, impacts how we look at what goes on around us, but then especially how we think about God being good. Now, the dictionary defines good in two ways. That good is morally excellent, virtuous, righteous, or pious. That's, that's our morality. That's our activity. You know, is it good? Are we living a moral life? Um, when many of you in this room reached your teenage years that you got your driver's license and you started going out with friends, what did your mother say to you on the way out the door? Now be good. That's probably more for the guys than, than the girls, right? You know, um, but, but you know, there was, you know, it's, it's like it was your parents' way of saying like, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Don't, don't get into trouble. Don't put yourself in situations where what you're doing or, or why you're doing it could even be questioned. You know, and some of your parents probably uttered this phrase, nothing good ever happens after 
midnight. Some of you are like, okay. Some of you thought that was a trick question. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and, and, and so that's, that's where we think about being good. And, and uh, a lot of times when we're around, you know, young children, we, you know, say, you know, we want you to be good little boys and girls, you know, like don't punch your sister, don't lie to mom and dad, you know, just, just be good little boys and girls. But then we use good to talk about something being satisfactory either in quality, quantity, or degree. You know, and, and a lot of times that's the way that we'll use the word good. You know, like it was, a, it was a good day, it was a good meal, we had a good time, it was a good vacation. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we use good. But one of the things that's interesting about how we think sometimes, because not often do we put quality and quantity under, a, under the same category of a definition. Because there's people out there that think something is good if it's more or if it's bigger, you know, because a lot of times we think about, you know, do you want a quality vacation or a quantity vacation? Do you want a quality meal or do you want a big meal? Because sometimes we think you can't necessarily get both. I was in a seminary class that was meeting on three Saturdays. Um, and there were only like six of us in the class, and the professor, the first day that we met, said, look, I want us, instead of, instead of breaking up and going to lunch wherever you want to go to lunch, I want us all to go uh, together because we, can, we didn't have a whole lot of time together and we can continue some of our conversations. And there was one guy in the class um, who, who just was insistent that we go to this Chinese buffet. Like, he was just adamant that this is where we go. And the one descriptive statement that he said is you're not going to believe how much food is at this Chinese buffet. It was not good. There was quantity there, but there wasn't quality. So he leaned on good being a lot versus good being good. You know, so there's, a, there's a, again, there's a lot of ways. So when you think about God being good, is it in the framework of like what good things has he done for you? What big things has he done for you? Or do you struggle with the idea of God being good because of the challenges that you've been through? The prayers that haven't been answered. The setbacks that have happened in your life, the, 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 the tragedies that have beset you and your family, the, the hardships that you've endured. Because if, if, if you look at good as it relates to those kind of things, you're going to struggle with believing that God is good. But yet, we can all recognize, if you've spent any time in the Bible whatsoever, that good is a descriptive term often used of God throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. You know, there's always this, this attribute of God that he is a good God. And yet, we struggle. How can God be good when we see trouble in the world? How can God be good when there are people that are struggling and tragedies and disasters and poverty and homelessness and hunger and disease? And, you know, we struggle with, is God really a good 
God. And it comes down to this. Whether or not we believe God is good shapes how we live, especially how we respond to things that happen to us in life. Like whether or not we believe God is good has a bearing on how we respond to a lot of things that happen in life. Like just think about some of the frustrations you had this week. What challenges came up this week? What unexpected things visited you this week and you were just like, yeah, well, that, that just, that's just par for the course. Where are you, God? I mean, like, why are you letting this happen? Like, why is this happening to me now? And sometimes it's not even the life-altering things. It's just that our life is run on such of a frayed edge that we can't really handle one more unexpected thing. And the first place that we question is, where is God? So how do we gain an understanding of the depth of God's goodness? Like, let's not even talk about quality or quantity here. Let's not talk about moral attributes. Let's just talk about the depth. Like, if God is good, how deep does that really run? The first thing that we do is we go to creation. Genesis chapter 1, that's the first thing that we do. Because one of the things that we see from the very beginning is that good and evil is defined by God himself. Now, why is good and evil defined by God himself? Because the Bible shows us, teaches us that God is the creator. God is the designer. God is the one who put all of this into motion. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 uh, are a part of our biblical record so that, that we trace our beginning back somewhere. We didn't, that we didn't just show up. We didn't just land on this planet. We didn't evolve from some other kind of species, you know, into this human being that you see today. We come from somewhere. Everything had a beginning. And in that very beginning, God defined what is good and what is evil. In Genesis chapter 1, 3, I'm not going to read all the examples, but I'm going to start with this one. It says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, then he separated light from darkness. Now, before there was light, there was absolute darkness, and I don't know that we can fathom just total 100% no light whatsoever darkness. Some of us don't want to fathom that, but God draws this distinction in creation between light and dark. And, and, and when he says, let there be light, he speaks light into existence, and he says, it's good. He says, it is good. Now he goes on in the other elements of creation. He separates the mountains from the sea, the, you know, the, the, the heavens and the earth. I mean, there's more definition, there's more detail in the creation as we go from day one to day two to day three to day four to day five. And every single time God looks at what he has created and said it is good, one time he said it is very good. Now, let, let's stop here for a second. Think about the splendor and the majesty 
of parts of planet Earth. Some of you in this room are beach people. Like if you get a couple of days off, like the bag is packed, I am breaking speed records, put me on the beach, put my feet in the sand, and don't bother me. But you're probably one of those that you don't just enjoy going to the beach, you are enamored by this view of the ocean meeting the land. To look out across the, the scope of the sea in front of you and see nothing on the horizon. And be reminded of how big the ocean is and how small I am. Have you ever sat on the beach and thought about the verse that God has thought of you more times than there are grains of sand? And do you sit there on the beach and go, this is good. Well, what if you're a mountain person? Like, like I'm, I'm a mountain person. Put, get me off of a highway, get me out a dirt road, put me on a trail, and let me hike to the base of a waterfall, and let me sit there for a little while. Because, I, I mean, I'm just, I am enamored with how the water has carved a path through the mountains and has found its way to a place to where it drops down dozens, if not hundreds of feet. And the sound of that water crashing to the bottom is the most soothing sound to my ears and I sit there and go it's good <clears throat> we don't think like that when we look at creation we think about the power the majesty the splendor the beauty the first time my granddaughter set foot on the beach her jaw dropped open because she had never seen it before that's what we do and yet God said it's good doesn't that sound a little out of place when we think about the beauty and the majesty of our planet? So, so why, why is the word in Hebrew translated good? Like, why is it just good? Why isn't God going, this is awesome? It just said, good. It goes back to the Hebrew word for good is a word Tov, T-O-V, Tov. When you look at, at, at how the Hebrews looked at creation and, and use this word T-O-V, Tov, in, 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 in a descriptive way of talking about creation, it's not about the quality, it's about function. So when God said it's good... It's functioning as it was intended. Light now separates darkness. We understand the, the, the totality of darkness because we understand light. When, when the sun sets and we kind of get into that melancholy of darkness, when the sun rises and we experience that newness of life, it's doing what it was intended to do. So God isn't being apathetic. He's not being marginal about his description of what he created. It's good because it's doing what it was intended to do. Therefore, it's good. And then we read that he created Adam, that he formed Adam from the dust 
of the earth and that he breathed life into Adam. But then God said, it's not good. It's not good what? It's not good for Adam to be alone. It's the first time God said something wasn't good. It's not that Adam wasn't good. Adam functioned as God created, but God saw that Adam was alone and said, that's not good. So he created Eve, took a, took a rib from Adam and created Eve so that Adam would have a partner, a helpmate, which is huge implications because we're not meant or designed to be alone. We're meant to be in relationship with God. We're meant to be in relationship with each other. Uh, marriage relationships are to be helping, sustaining, encouraging, sustaining relationships. That, 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 that's what they're supposed to be. And that's the first time God said it's not good because it didn't function the best way. So God created Adam and Eve, then he said that it was good, and then it says that he placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Tend and watch over it. Doesn't sound too stressful. Just kind of look around, make sure everything is good. Right, okay. Some of you are a little slow. Just kind of keep up. <laughs> but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So we don't necessarily know what God is, is, is meaning at that point about good and evil. He's just telling Adam and Eve, like, there's a knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat of that tree, you're, you're, you're going to know the whole thing. You're going to know all about it if you do that. But God has set the framework before the fall about what is good and what is evil. And so... Something changed. Now, God defines to Adam what is good and what is evil, and God is seen good. I'm sorry, good is seen in the creation and function of life. So when God says it is good, it, come, it flows from him. And this is important because what we see in the early pages of the Bible is that God is a, cre is a creator a giver and sustainer of life. Everything God generates, creates, and does is about life. Everything. Everything he does is about life. And this has not and will not ever change. Why? Because it's who God is. Being a creator, sustainer, and giver of life is who God is. It's in his nature. It's in his Function. Therefore, there's goodness there. God is good. God designed the world along with humanity to function in a similar way. God said tend. He didn't say harvest. He didn't say uproot. He didn't say, you know, he didn't say pick. He didn't, you know, what, whatever tend meant. There, there was nothing in the language 
with Adam and Eve that, that included anything that was destructive. But then the fall happened. And the fall radically altered how humanity and the world functions. After the fall, God uh, he expels Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. He locks it away, never to be seen again on this side of eternity. And what he tells Adam and Eve is to go, go, go out and, and multiply and populate the earth. And they have a son named Cain, and they have a son named Abel. And we read uh, not too long after, uh, after they're introduced into the biblical record that one son kills the other one. Out of jealousy and anger. All of a sudden, what we're reading is that where we had a God that was a creator, a sustainer, a giver of life, we're now seeing life being taken at the hand of another human being. God said that the ground would produce thorns, that work would be trouble, and it would be toil, and it would be hard. The fall radically altered the way humanity functions. What God called good, the very creation itself, had now become evil. Why did the world become evil? Because now we read about people in the world that are killing each other. We're reading in, 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 in the accounts about famine and we're reading about disasters and we're reading about calamity that inflicts the people of the earth. How could God look at that and say, good? He couldn't because it was no longer functioning the way it was intended. So the result of the fall is destruction, which is evil in God's eyes. It is evil in God's eyes. So we see this huge radical altering of how the world functions. And we live in that very world today. Just in the last several weeks, we have seen about the continuing devastating wildfires in different places of our country in Canada. We saw the images of the wildfires in Hawaii. We had a hurricane that just hit the Florida coast. We had a massive Category 5 churning out in the Atlantic that winds reached almost 180 miles an hour. Can we even fathom what that is capable of doing? The world is living is, is, is existing in a way that God never intended. But yet God is a giver of life. And when he spoke something into existence and it functioned in a certain way, he said it was good. We fast forward to Jesus and in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus speaking to the life-giving power of the Father, God the Creator. Jesus says this in John 5, the Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power 
to the Son. Now this is a huge statement Jesus is making here because ever since the fall, what humanity had experienced is human beings taking life, not bringing life. And John is masterful in talking about Jesus existing before the foundation of the world. And he refers to Jesus as the Word and that the Word became flesh and that the power of God resided in Jesus as he came to earth. And so Jesus said that same life-giving power is in me. Jesus proved that time and time again by performing miracles, things that happened outside of the natural order. But then he says this in John 10. He talks about a thief whose purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And everybody that would have heard Jesus said that wouldn't have had any, any, any hardship thinking about uh, death and destruction and decay because that's what happens on this earth. But then he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or some translations say abundant life. But then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So he just said, I am the good shepherd. So if we, if we hearken back to the Hebrew understanding of the word good, that good is about function. Why is Jesus the good shepherd? Because a good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sake of the flock. Does that not add depth and power to the message and the ministry of Jesus? He's the good shepherd because he laid his life down as God intended for him to do. It's incredibly powerful. You see, our eternal life is possible because of what Jesus did as the good shepherd. But then Jesus continues to talk about life, not just as it relates from the Father and that he is a giver of life, but then he talks about that, that for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, spiritual life comes through the Holy Spirit. And, and this is the wrong verse, and I'm sorry about that, uh, wrong reference. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life life. We have no capability of connecting with God on a spiritual level without the Holy Spirit. It is not possible. So if we want to talk about, you know, connecting with God in prayer, uh, the power of God's Word, experiencing the power, the grace, the love, uh, the, the closeness of God, we do not experience that on a spiritual level without the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen. And then Paul, in, in Galatians, when he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, he lists goodness as a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so let's go back. Paul was a, was a Jew, knew the Old Testament Scriptures inside and out, and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit means, and the fruit is the, the good product of something that's healthy. For those of you that have gardens, like if, if your plants didn't produce vegetables and fruit, something wasn't right. Didn't get enough water, didn't have the right soil, didn't have enough nutrients, something happened. But if you had a bountiful harvest, 
The fruit was there, which means those plants were functioning as they were intended. Paul says that goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. So is Paul talking about, oh, let's be good little boys and girls and not do anything bad and not lie, cheat, or steal? Or is it something deeper? Is, is Paul talking about just be good people? Well, what is good if good is relative to the world around us? One person's good is another person's amoral. Another person's good is another person's not good enough. So how do we live into that goodness? What kind of goodness are we talking about? You see, we're incapable of functioning in that kind of goodness that Paul is talking about without the Holy Spirit. But what kind of goodness are we talking about? It comes down to this. Goodness is that our words and deeds bring life to those around us. Goodness is that our words and deeds bring life to those around us. Just because you have brought a son or a daughter into the world as a parent doesn't mean you give life into that child. Some of you in this room have had parents that robbed you of your spirit, that robbed you of your creativity, that robbed you of your initiative to pursue your dreams because the words they spoke to you were condemning and were harsh and were negative. They did not speak life into you. They took life from you. Some of you have been in relationships and might be in a relationship now that they're not bringing life into you in the things that they do and the things that they say. They are using you and consuming you for their own selfish gain. And there's no life being brought into you. Life is being taken from you. Because we are a created being of Almighty God, our life is not good if we are not bringing life to others. It is evil. What the world calls live a good life is nothing but selfish self-indulgence that we use other people for our own selfish gain. If you, if you in some way are not bringing life in word and deed into people around you, you are not good, you are not living good, you are not a part of the good because you're existing outside of your function. If you aren't speaking words that encourage, that build up, that speak to the reality of God creating the people around you and that he's given them gifts and talents and purpose and, and, and a will, if you're not speaking into that, you're not speaking life. If you're not speaking God into them, you're not speaking life. What about our deeds? 
If we're willing to put ourselves in places to where the lonely need to need comfort, where the hurting uh, need to be ministered to, where the hungry need to be fed, the forgotten need to be remembered, the lost need to be found, then we are not bringing life into the world with our deeds. And what the world says is a good life is a life that is focused on self at the expense of others. You're not investing in, you're not doing life uh, around other people, you're only living for yourself. I'm not saying don't take a vacation. I'm not saying don't have a hobby. I'm saying that at some point when the purpose of our life becomes self versus others, we're living outside of our function, and biblically, we cannot say that is good. It doesn't matter what the world tells us. One final thought on this, and I think this is incredibly important to understand. Only God is able to bring good from the evil that exists in this world. The only one that can do that is God himself. And the reality is evil exists. Evil happens. Why? Because we live in a world that got distorted from its original function. Bad things are going to happen. The mystery is why has it happened to some and not others, and why did this happen to that family and not this family? I mean, this, this community just experienced an unspeakable tragedy just a week ago with the death of a 13-year-old student at the middle school. I mean, tragedy has visited our community. There are lives of students that they're not going to forget what happened on Labor Day weekend of their eighth grade year of school. They're never going to forget it. They're always going to live with the memory of that and those are the kind of situations to where people want to say God where are you and where is the good that's going to come out of this but God promises us that good can come that good will come that's why Paul wrote we know that God causes how much everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We will never find the good that comes from evil if we do not find it in God himself. Everything else will be some kind of an empty rationalization and an empty uh, wishing for some kind of a half-fleeting moment of, of purpose or meaning. If we do not take our tragedies and our hurts and our struggles before God himself, we will never find the good. But God will bring good. Why? Because it's his function it's his function. That's why we say that God is good, because it's in his nature. And it doesn't matter how brokenhearted you are, what kind of abuses you have endured, how many kind of challenging days that have laid you open and left you feeling empty to the bone. When you seek God, you will find good, because God can't help but bring good out of our tragedies. That's why we say God is good. No, what you've been through isn't. No, what you're facing right now may not be. But God promises good. 
and good transcends so beyond some of our shallow prayers and some of our uh, hopeful wishing for better days. Good runs much deeper than that because when you can see yourself being knit back together from having your heart broken in two, you're finding the good that God brings. When you find a purpose to live for out of your tragedy, you find the good that God brings out of that. tragedy when you didn't know whether to go left or right or up or down and you thought that you were at the end of your rope and you find the strength to endure another day another week another season you're finding good because God has given you something beyond what you're able to do we can't help but experience good because that's who God is And the temptation that every one of us face is that every time our heart gets broken and every time our world gets shattered and every time life gets turned upside down, we're tempted to run away from the very one that we need the most. We're tempted to run away from the only one who can bring good out of our struggles. So rather than run away and question whether God is actually good, run to Him and find out firsthand. Run to Him and experience the goodness of His nature. Experience the goodness of all that He is. Experience the goodness of His function of a creator, a sustainer, and a giver of life. You see... Only by the presence and power of God can we live as we were intended to live. If we try to live life apart from God, we break break how we were to function. We can only live the way we're intended to live when we're connected to Almighty God. That is a challenge an invitation, and a promise that when we are connected to God, we find good and we bring good into the world. And what is that good? Life. 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 And Jesus called it rich and satisfying. Woe be unto us if we try to do rich and satisfying apart from our Creator. We will never find it. Let's pray. Some of you in this room have been trying to do life your own way. You've tried to find meaning and purpose and belonging and love and companionship and you've tried to do it your own way and it's just not working. There's still an emptiness, there's brokenness, there's shame, there's pain. Today, the invitation is to live in the goodness of God. 
to, to see where his good comes into your life. When you seek him, when you lean into him, when you call out to him. And for some of you, you've never began a relationship with him. And you've questioned whether God is even good. Worth believing in. And maybe today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you that the lack of goodness isn't God, it's the broken world that we live in. And if you want to find the meaning and the purpose and the belonging that you've been lacking, the Holy Spirit's tugging at you to let him in. And if you want to do that today, I, I want to lead you in a prayer for, for you to give your life to Jesus and, 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 and extend yourself to him and call out to him and allow him to bring life into you to bring life to a dead heart, to soothe your wounds, to heal those places that are hurting. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I'm calling out to you. I want to know what it means to be alive in you. I want to see good happen in my life and and I see today that that good will only come from you Jesus thank you for coming to this earth for dying on the cross for rising again so that I can be forgiven and be alive in you Jesus I'm yours I will follow wherever you lead I am yours in Jesus' name, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, I, I ask you to do one of two things. One is to fill out a connection card that I mentioned earlier. There's a place you can mark on there that you prayed to receive Christ. Drop that in our offering boxes on the way out or speak to me after the service. Don't, don't leave without sharing your decision to become a follower of Christ. Don't, don't leave without sharing that with someone. And now for the believer, I pray that you would lean into God rather than lean away when you question what's happening in your life, what's happening around you, what's going on in the world that seems like it's tearing itself apart. Lean into God to find good. Lean into God to bring good into the world. He wants to use you to do that. He wants you to be a vessel to bring words and deeds of life into those around you. Father, that we would reflect your goodness by being people who speak and bring life into the world. Father, that's what you've called us to be and to do as your followers. Jesus, use us to be those vessels. And Father, that we would truly cling to you as the God of goodness when we can't find it anywhere else. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.